Hello. Oh, top of the morning to you, Nicholas. Uh, I think you have the wrong number. Who's this? Oh, this is your old friend, Marcus. Marcus O'Schwimmer. Marcus O'Schwimmer? That's right. I've converted over to my Irish roots, and I'm spending some time here in the Irish hills of Michigan. <laughs> this is hugely <laughs> offensive. No, I'm just trying to get down. I'm in Irish Hills. Do you know the attractions here in Irish Hills, Nicholas? No, please tell me what they are. Well, there's Coconuts Bar and Grill, uh -huh. and there's the Prehistoric Forest Amusement Park, uh -huh. and there's some go-kart tracks, and you know how I love go-karts, Nicholas. Man, it sounds like you're really living your best vacation life, buddy. I'm just having a pint of Guinness and, and riding this go-kart here, and I'm having a good time with it. That is outstanding. Well, you know, I'm just go-karting. Yeah. I could come pick you up in my go-kart. Well, that actually sounds ideal. But, you know, since you called me, I'm glad you called me. Thank you yes. for calling me. Since you called me, um, do you want to talk about the next interview that's going to air this week? Oh, I think I do. Hold on, let me turn my go-kart off real quick. Hold on. Okay. And there she is. There she is. All, all turned, turned off. off. Yeah. I think last time you, you had to set your daiquiri down. Yep. And this time you, you soundlessly turned off your go-kart that I didn't notice. That it's electric. Had. I didn't want to waste the battery. That's it's, really it's, nice. It's green. That's really, really yeah, nice. Yeah, you're welcome. Man, they spare no expense in the Irish hills. Oh, oh the, yeah. You know what they say about the Irish hills. What? It's the most green place in Michigan. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Get well, it? Because they're Irish. Okay. Outstanding. So this week we're going to be listening to an interview that we did with Allison Bechdel in March of 2015. We were we children then. Dude, I was so nervous during this interview. I was so nervous. I don't know if I've ever been so nervous as to do anything in my whole life. Yeah. Than when I had to talk to, when I got to talk, when I had the opportunity to talk to Allison Bechdel. Probably the smartest person any of us have ever talked to. And also just a titan of the fucking comic book industry. So she has released two graphic novels to date. She released Fun Home, she's released Are You My Mother, and there are collections available, and one ultimate collection of her ongoing series, Dykes to Watch Out For. Uh, her third book was rumored to be released in 2017. Uh, it was going to be called The Secret to Superhuman Strength. But it has yet to materialize. In theory, it's it's still forthcoming. She takes a long time to work on this stuff. So. Do you think she's too busy go-karting and maybe hasn't just put the final touches on it yet? Because that I, seems very plausible to me. I would I would really like to see Allison Bechdel in a go-kart. Yeah. I, that's something I would really enjoy seeing. I would like to see everyone in a go-kart. So uh, I hope everybody enjoys listening to this interview. Um, uh, you can really hear how nervous I am in it. You were rattling. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to call you for the next couple of weeks. I think I'm going to take the rest of my vacation. I can see a forest from where I am now. Yeah. Um, I was I got out of that Lowe's parking lot. Well, that's good. But it was kind of by the highway, and there was like some woods. I can see these woods now, mm -hmm. and I think I'm just going to walk into them. Nick, you, you seem very lost over the last couple weeks. No, nah, I mean, I'm on vacation, so <laughs> I'm having a pretty good time. All right. Well, but I, you probably won't hear from me for the next couple of weeks. Okay, well, um, if you need help, use that flare gun I gave you for your birthday. I left the flare gun in the bathroom section of the Lowe's that I was hanging out in. What did I tell you about leaving that flare gun places? If I can if I can get back there, I will definitely pick that up before I aimlessly walk into the woods for sure, though. Good idea. Well, best of luck to you, brother. Have a great time. Best of luck to you. Enjoy the rest of your August. Thank you. And to you, listener, thank you. Alrighty, welcome to Super Skull. It's a special one-shot edition. I am here with Catherine Gorman. Hey, how you doing, Catherine? I'm good, Nick. How are you? 
I'm very well. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me to talk about Alison Bechdel. Oh, yeah. No, I am super excited. I'm super excited also. I had uh, the huge honor recently of sitting down and, and talking with her in the basement of Vault of Midnight. It was completely crazy. <laughs> and she was in Ann Arbor for an event, right? She was in Ann Arbor for the Penny Stamps Lecture. It's this uh, academic series that the U of M throws every year. And uh, she spoke for a while, and then I got a chance to hang out with her for a little bit the next day. And Alison Bechdel is really totally amazing. Uh, she she started drawing a strip called Dykes to Watch Out For in the 80s. And then in 2006, she had a memoir published, a graphic novel memoir called Fun Home, which is about her relationship with her father. And then most recently, she had a, uh, a book called Are You My Mother, a graphic novel about her uh, relationship with her mother published. And then last year, she was awarded one of the MacArthur Genius Grants. So she, you sat down with a certified genius. Exactly. And uh, it was, yeah, Dykes to Watch Out For started in 1983, and she worked on it for like 25 years. It's completely insane. And then moved into graphic novels in, in the mid-2000s, as you said, and was hugely received uh, as a result of that. She's really become one of the, the must-read authors in, in the graphic novel sphere for fans of biography and fans of memoir. And she has this huge crossover appeal for everybody. I think she really is, um, she's a graphic novelist that you have to check out if you're at all interested in the medium. Yeah, definitely. And sort of in the tradition of Super Skull recommendations, who would you give this book to? After I finished reading Fun Home, which is her first novel, her first graphic novel memoir, I give it to my mom, who's a huge fan of classic literature and especially like Russian novels, um, you know, serious literature. And she loved it. It was the first graphic novel she's ever read. And now she's really into illustrated books and, and graphic novels in general. That's funny that you should mention that because my mom also now has a copy of uh, of Fun Home. You gave and, it to your uh, mom? Did you, you really? I, d I did, and we're, we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm hoping to get her reading more comics as a result. I'm hoping Alison Bechdel has that power. How did you, how did your mom react to you giving her a book, a memoir about someone's parent? Uh, we'll see. I'll, the jury's still out on that one, but I'll get back to you for sure. So yeah, um, this was uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was great to speak with her, and um, we'll pick up with the the interview. The first thing that I asked her was uh, how she started drawing and how she why it was graphic novels that she decided to use to to tell her stories. I just I always liked to draw. I spent a lot of time drawing as a kid, and I wanted to be a cartoonist. I read cartoons and liked cartoons. I, tr I did tr make a stab at writing, like yeah, just prose writing when I got out of college. Fiction or memoir? Or? It was memoir, actually. Mm -hmm. I wasn't very good at it. or I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I started drawing comics. I started drawing my early Dykes to Watch Out For yeah. comics. Just silly little one-panel strips with a punchline. Sure. And... I found that much more rewarding, and I got a lot more attention for that than I did for my writing. <laughs> so that's what I started doing, and I found that I, I could tell stories like that. Sure. So it was kind of a feedback thing. That was kind yeah, of the... Yeah, everything's feedback. Nothing happens in a, in a vacuum or sure. for its own pure sake, I yeah. guess. Was there early on when you 
started with, with the Dykes to Watch Out for Strip, was there was there a style that you were kind of going for? Was there a particular cartoonist that you were maybe not emulating, but that you kind of had in the back of your mind as you were putting the strips together? Whenever I think about the word style, I, it makes me feel like I, I just don't have a style. I only draw <laughs> as well as I can at any given moment. I'm not... I'm not good enough to have any kind of intentionality about how this stuff looks. Yeah. It just looks how it looks. But that being said, I I loved Edward Gorey's work. I loved Robert Crumb's work. They're, you know, just the quality of their lines mm-hmm. were so amazing. And I would look at their stuff and, you know, try and copy little things here and there as I began doing my own drawings. But there wasn't, like, a strip. You didn't have, like, a strip hero or... Or somebody that you kind of look towards, or that kind of informed your style, or I know that's that tricky word again, style. But um, I certainly, you know, read Peanuts forever and loved that. Mm-hmm. But I never felt like I was, you know, I was doing a different kind of drawing, a more realistic sure, sure. kind of drawing than that super iconic stuff. Yeah. Know? Maybe Mark Trail. <laughs> oh, Mark Trail. I'm not familiar. Oh, really? That's a yeah. really funny strip. I mean, it's become sort of funny. Jack Elrod did it for, I don't know, oh, hundreds okay. of years. Yeah, the yeah, wilderness yeah. guy, this ongoing thing with Mark and his girlfriend, Cherry, and mm-hmm. his dog, Andy. It's just got gotten so, um, it's sort of a camp thing now. I mean, it's very, it, it, it's, the, this guy still makes it. I don't think it's the original guy, but it's like some, maybe he writes it and someone else draws it. Sure. It has this wonderful kind of camp equality so um do you follow any kind of mainstream comic books is there, is there anybody are you kind of in touch with monthly books that are coming out at all I'm not you know i feel like i've never really been in that mainstream comics mm-hmm. world when i first started reading comics i would go, go into the comic store and it, you know it wasn't like this beautiful place like you have now it was this kind of dingy place filled with 14 year old boys and yeah there was a, one little shelf in the back where they had the interesting alternative stuff i mean i'm sure the other stuff was interesting too but <laughs> not to a like sure a, you know i was like tw- a 25 year old lesbian so yeah. i wasn't going to be reading x-men although i did occasionally read x-men yeah um you know as a little kid i would i would read little lulu and um richie rich and Archie, sometimes some superhero stuff, but Mad Magazine was my main thing. Oh, okay. And then as I got older, then the alternative stuff that was coming out, Love and Rockets and American Splendor. Sure. So I never went to the mother load of the comic book shop. And even now, as you've you've kind of become one of you know one of the the big graphic novelists, you're like one of the you know the big names in graphic novels. Are you do you kind of keep an eye on things that are coming out or like new graphic novel releases um, now as you're working on things? I know you're probably super busy, to, so but, you don't you know. But you know, there's so much stuff coming out. I feel like I used to have a handle on who everyone was and yeah. what their next project was, and pff, I have no idea anymore. There's so many amazing new artists yeah. coming out and old artists doing amazing new work. It's, yeah. it's quite overwhelming. Can you remember the last thing that you read that you were really excited by or that you thought was, was doing something new? Uh, I'm, I'm reading right now, although maybe reading isn't the right word, that, that book here by Richard McGuire. It's oh, just yeah, like the yeah. room that goes in and out of Yeah, that's fantastic. Time. 
Wow, that's really mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't even know who he was. I never heard of him. Yeah, he was. Uh, he caught me by surprise. Yeah, that was the first thing He's I had been read. Been working by on this. that for fifteen years, I guess. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really an unusual reading experience. It's not like reading. It's like really entering into this space he's created. Yeah, and something really kind of unique to the graphic novel kind of has to be yes, a graphic novel. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a good point. So, what other types of media do you consume or what, what kind of as you're working on a project, do you kind of avoid media unless things kind of leak in and inform what you're doing or I no, do people do that? They like restrict certain kinds of data. I just wonder. <laughs> yeah. I I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, I skim a lot of books. Right. <laughs> I've become a big skimmer. Um, I like listening to podcasts and stuff, like while I'm inking, mm-hmm. or movies too. I watch a lot of movies while I'm drawing, which is kind of weird to say, but I don't wa- actually look at them. I just will. It's kind of a background. Yeah. Yeah. So it can't be something in a foreign language with subtitles. Right. And preferably, it's something I've seen before, so I can sort of. Follow it. Yeah. Um, uh, audiobooks, too, are good when I'm thinking. Although I don't like listening to those. I don't feel like I'm really reading somehow. It's not really sticking to my From an audiobook? Brain. Yeah. Yeah. And does it, especially while you're working, do you find it, is that is that kind of difficult? Is it just kind of background noise? or? Well, it depends on the book, and it depends on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I once spent a very lovely couple of dark winter weeks inking to someone reading Crime and Punishment. Allowed, I mean, not a live person, an audiobook, but like I don't think I would have read that on my own, and I don't, and even though I say it doesn't get in, Mm -hmm. I think that got in all those Russian names. (laughs) It was helpful to have someone pronouncing them instead of me trying to like decipher. Sure, and like making up the wrong name in your head, and that's just how you pronounce it. Yeah, but that was a fun, intimate experience, just being alone with my own work and this other story. Yeah, that. So. I wonder what was it like to, when you were doing um, the strip and also working on Fun Home at the same time, were you doing both of those kind of concurrently? What was it like, that makes my brain hurt to think about like that narrative form, the strip narrative form, and then to switch over to Fun Home, which is such a long form and depends on kind of like being immersed in it for so long. Did that make your brain feel crazy to do that? You know, I actually really liked the tension between those two projects. They really ignited one another. Mm -hmm. It was really inspiring all the time because I'd be working on the comic strips, making my deadline for the strips, thinking, oh, man, I wish I could just get back to my memoir. And then I'd finish the strips, I'd go to the memoir, and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is excruciating. (laughs) Can't I just write my comic strips? So in that way, I got them both done, and it was kind of cool. I highly recommend working on at least two projects at a time. Just because of that tension? Just because you because you feel like you're being pulled yeah, in both? Yeah, you can always avoid one by going to the other. Right. <laughs> and then I, I, I quit my comic strip and just was writing another graphic memoir. And that was really hard. Yeah. Like, that's all I had to do. In a way. I mean, I had other stuff to do, but that was my main project. And yeah. I kind of really bogged down in it. Yeah. Do you think that you'll go back to having trying to stack multiple projects uh yeah yeah i'm trying to do that now oh really yeah i mean is it anything that you can talk about is it in that stage yet no not really i mean i am working on another book uh 
But what, what else am I doing? It seemed to be doing a billion other things. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a little time management trouble. Sure. I would imagine. Probably very busy, so that makes sense. Your next project, I think you've been out, it's, it's about fitness? Yeah. And your relationship <laughs> to fitness? Yeah, I wanted to do something kind of fun, like after these deep, searching, painful family memoirs, I just wanted a little break. Yeah. So one thing that I've always done is exercise. I like doing mm-hmm. doing stuff, physical stuff. Um, so I thought maybe it would be fun to write about. And also I've, you know, I've been alive since 1960, which is kind of when our current craze with physical fitness began. Oh, I mean, really? people have always done their weird little exercise crazes, but as a culture-wide phenomenon, I feel like the 60s is when this current craze sort of took hold, like with Jack yeah. LaLanne. And, oh, okay. Uh, the idea of the program, like the exercise yeah, regimen. Yeah, yeah. Partly because we, we had become so inactive in our everyday lives. Sure. But how, how exercise has become part of our, our culture and um, all the ridiculous fads and crazes that yeah. been, it's, it'll be, hopefully be sort of a cultural history as well as just my own story. Because I've followed all those things. Like, you know, I started jogging in the 70s when people were jogging and yeah. skiing in the 60s when I was a little kid when, like, downhill skiing was such a cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just write about all these things I did. I don't know. I haven't quite got, my, uh, got a handle on it. But and in theory, it'll tie to the larger ideas of fitness in America or in, and how it kind of relates to your personal relationship to it. Is that that's kind of the idea? Or? Yes. Yeah. It's still coming together. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something I've always wanted to ask you. You, you draw the most distinctive mouths <laughs> that I've ever seen in a comic I book. Get, I've gotten criticized for not drawing... Big enough mouths, like the, they are very small. In fun home, they're just like little dots. Often. Yeah, but it's everything that's going. On. It's the chin and the you know, I guess face you would call that. But it, it just immediately, you can just tell that it's one of, a piece of your work just from that. Like immediately, <laughs> it. How did, did that evolve? Was that a conscious? I know that's a weird question, but no, is that a really conscious wasn't. choice? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And actually, um, I'm trying to make my mouth a little bigger. <laughs> uh I've gotten very dependent on photo references over the years, especially with the advent of digital photography. Like I almost always looking at a photo reference to draw. Mm -hmm. I would like to become less reliant on looking at another image. But the one thing I don't look at a reference for is expressions. Like I'll I'll look at a you know a camera shot for a, a character's pose, but to draw their face. That comes out of my head. So somehow I feel like that's just something I know how to do. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, because you mentioned in your talk that it is, that's a big part of your process is the, the digital photography or it's become a bigger part of, of your process. Yeah. But it's funny looking at people's work and looking at the quality of emotion that their drawings has or doesn't have. Oh, what do you I'm mean by that? I'm trying to think that? of examples right now. Um, I teach a little bit, and so I, I was looking at a student's work recently, and I just felt like she wasn't um, capturing emotions. She was mm-hmm. just drawing, like, eyes and mouths and noses, but there's no expression. And then I'm, so I'm trying to look at other people's work and think, what is it that brings a, an expression alive mm-hmm. on the page? And I'm not quite sure. I have to do some more thought on that. Yeah. I'll go back to you. That's interesting. Please do. <laughs> 
Yeah, because that's it's the the faces in general, but there's also it sets the tone for the whole work in such an interesting way. Just yeah. the, you know, and, and the expressiveness of those faces. Yeah, I mean, you can have a very accurate, very realistic drawing of a face that is void of emotion because there's some something missing in the line or the microscopic spaces between the lines mm-hmm. that just isn't right. Mark Trail, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look up Mark yeah, Trail. Yeah, you now. are. Alison Bechdel, she is the acclaimed author of Fun Home, Are You My Mother, and the long-running strip from 1983 to 2008, Dykes to Watch Out For. If you, like me, want to learn more about Mark Trail or Alison Bechdel in general, you can find it in our show notes about this interview at superskullshow.com, our brand new website that just went live. If you have any questions for us, you can contact us at superskull at vaultofmidnight.com. You can find us on Twitter uh, under at superskullshow. We're on Facebook. You can hear this episode and all of our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much any place you can think of that plays podcasts. Until our next regularly scheduled episode, my name is Nick Weibar, and good reading until next week. <laughs>